0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, head of corporate communications at Stiefel, joined as always by my colleague Brian Gardner, our chief Washington policy strategist. Hey, Brian, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing well, Neil. Um, a lot going on, both
0: uh, in the
1: political policy world and the sports world. I mean, I don't know that we have enough time
0: on this podcast to cover it all. I know. We actually. We're actually delaying recording this by a few hours because I had to run out and go get my number eight Aaron Rodgers Jets jersey. See, he should have kept 12. Apparently, Joe Joe Namath gave him permission to keep 12, and I've got a retro Joe Namath jersey, so I'd be all set. But I guess Aaron Rodgers did the right thing and didn't feel comfortable with it, and is going. No, that would then raise the question: Does Aaron Rodgers have a fur coat
1: to match what <laughs> Willie wore back in the day?
0: That was something, wasn't it?
1: But uh, you know, the draft is tomorrow night. As we're recording this on a Wednesday, baseball is in a full swing, and the Yankees' offense is already showing its October uh, anemic self uh, among a bunch of injuries. The Kentucky Derby's in a week and a half. NHL uh, playoffs, NBA playoffs. Yep. I'm uh, I'm a big Islander fan, so I, I've lived. My team has lived to fight another day. I mean, it, it's uh, it's a great
0: time in uh, it, on the sports calendar. It, it is, and you know, I'll just give a plug. I'm not a I'm not a fan of the team, but wow, the Knicks seem exciting. That that series against the Cavs, except for the one game that they lost, was okay. you know they played unbelievable, and it'll be interesting uh, to see the Knicks. And it looks like they're going to probably get a home. Advantage series because it looks like Miami is going to take care of Milwaukee and the Knicks will actually have the uh, the higher seed there. But as busy as the sports calendar is, yeah, the I know. Political policy calendar
1: feels feels just as busy. You know, people will say to me, "Oh, you know, election time." This is, feels like your Super Bowl. I'm like, if if the election is the Super Bowl, then this is the divisional playoffs a yeah. game every hour going on and, you're, and your thumb is getting tired from flipping back and forth.
0: Well, that's true. I agree. And that's actually probably a great segue because um, as we discussed uh, a few weeks ago, when we did a sort of a preview of the 2024 campaign, one of our last episodes, since then, we finally got the official announcement that President Biden is uh, going to run again. So now that we know it's official, has anything changed? Have your thoughts changed? What do you what do you what do you say? You
1: know, so you know, I, I think the odds were always in, heavily in favor of President Biden uh, running for re-election. I thought there was an outside chance that that he may step aside due due to his age, but uh, again, an outside chance. So that that's all been put aside, and and kind of expectations have played through um, on the announcement itself. Um, you know, a lot of it was emphasizing. Finishing the job, um, in his words, um, which means revisiting proposals that were that were floated a couple of years ago, but ultimately got left out of what was then called Build Back Better, which became the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, so yesterday he gave a speech uh, to a labor union. Uh, he mentioned um, increasing corporate taxes. Um, you know he's gonna he's gonna continue to push his proposal on unrealized capital gains. As well as increasing the the capital gains tax rate for for higher income taxpayers, pay, making changes to estate taxes, increase in the top individual income tax rate. Again, these were all ideas that were proposed a few years ago as part of Build Back Better. Were dropped, but he hasn't let go of them, and they're they're going to come back.
0: Yeah, but you know, Brian, and I think actually you were on CNBC this week, and I'm going to ask a question that I think Tyler Matheson asked you when you were on T- when you when you were on last, which is um, he dropped some of those things, and that's when the Democrats controlled everything, and. Uh, you know, in 2025, if he wins again, there's no guarantee that the Democrats are going to control Congress. They don't now. So how does he get things done then when he couldn't get things done before when he had when Democrats had control of, of all branches? So first, a, a thank you to Kelly Evans and Tyler for having me on and, and
1: Kelly giving a She's plug. a big fan. She, a big well, fan of the podcast. She didn't and know. So Kelly, uh, Kelly Evans, thank you very much for plugging Potomac Perspective. which is. Right. Very difficult to say on the
0: air. That's right. And Um, now she's our biggest fan. And little does she know she's going to be our celebrity sort of influencer. She's going to be like our version of the Kardashians promoting the product. But anyway, sorry, Kelly.
1: So uh, we digress. Um, So how does he get it done? Back to can Biden get these tax proposals passed? Um, And I guess the answer is you got to see what Congress looks like um, after the next election. Obviously if Congress remains split, a Republican House, a Democratic Senate, or vice versa, um, then the tax proposals are dead on arrival. Republicans are not going to go for these. Even if Democrats regain the House and, and, and keep the Senate, um, the fate of, of the Biden agenda rests on really what happens in these upcoming Senate elections, the 2024 Senate elections. Uh, a lot is riding on Senator Kristen Cinema's race uh, from Arizona, Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, she's announced herself as an independent, um, but she's running for re-election. Um, she was one of the opposition, uh, opponents, um, along with Senator Manchin. Joe Manchin got most of the attention, but Cinema was opposed to a lot of the, the tax proposals. Um, and she's going to face in the Democratic Party primary a progressive Democrat, House member uh, Ruben Gallego, um, you now, if Gallego wins that seat, if he unseats Cinema, uh, wins the general election, that's another vote for the Biden plan. So, I have to see how the other Senate races um, play out too. So, I, I guess the bottom line is that the odds are against these Biden tax plans passing, but you really have to wait and see how the congressional races play out.
0: Now, I, I mean, that's very much long term. We do have some stuff that that's going on right now, and we talked about it before. But the debt ceiling, and that's something that we really do need to start paying attention to sooner rather than later. What what's the latest there? Yeah, it, it seems like we've been talking about
1: this for a long time, but now it is, no, it now it's it's coming into focus.
0: Now this is this is uh, crunch
1: time. So sort of like um, the Aaron Rodgers
0: trade, sort of like the to, just to go back
1: to Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, it was kind of it was it it, everybody happened. knew it was going to happen and just never got announced, and here we are, right? Um, So House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has drafted a bill to raise the debt ceiling in return for a list of of concessions that would include repealing the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. It would increase work requirements for food stamp uh, recipients. It rescinds unspent COVID funds. It cancels the student loan debt forgiveness plan. Um, There's been some resistance among Republicans, um, uh, uh, kind of two groups of resistance. One Midwestern Republicans, farm state Republicans who didn't like the elimination of ethanol subsidies that would have accompanied the repeal of the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act. Um and then um conservatives who thought the the increased food stamp requirements, the, the food stamp work requirements were uh, too weak and not strong enough. Um McCarthy has made some changes um and has seemed to have gotten enough support uh to get through but we'll see um you know the the, as we're speaking neil that the house just voted on the rule which is like the preliminary process step to get the bill to the floor that passed but we'll have the actual bill
0: on the floor um probably this evening so you mentioned some of these concessions is do you think that's going to be enough to get the thing passed we'll see
1: um so a couple of things um and and some of this is background, and, and some of this gets to your, your question directly. So this form of the bill, the, the McCarthy bill, it's not going to be the final bill. Um, this exercise is just to give McCarthy a proposal he can take to President Biden and use in negotiations. Um, it's an important first step because he needs a Republican plan in order to push negotiations. Um, and he can only lose four Republicans, um, there are a handful of conservatives who said they won't support the bill. Those Midwestern uh, farm state Republicans, I think they have come on board. Whether these con- these conservatives, all of them will come on board is another question. There's some in that group who have never voted for a debt ceiling, increase ever. And um, while they say it's it's uh, based on principles of, you know, fiscal conservatism, their position is actually, it's a, it's a bad strategy and it's self-defeating um, because what they're doing is undercutting their party's leadership and forces the party to then turn and make deals with Democrats, which actually reduces the amount of spending cuts and savings these conservatives say they want. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, the vote's going to be really close. Um, if the bill passes, then the speaker has a stronger position from which he can negotiate. Um, and I think the markets will generally like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if he fails, then House Republicans are in a weakened position. Uh, McCarthy will be in a very difficult political situ- uh, situation, um, and he's going to he's going to want to get a debt ceiling increase and avoid economic disruptions that that come from all of that. Um, but at the same time, he's going to be pressured by conservatives not to not to cave too much. Um, These are conservatives that didn't support him for speaker, and they may want to replace him for speaker. This scenario, I actually think, is um, more problematic for the markets because I think they'll take it as a sign that Washington is going to struggle even more than they thought, investors thought, to get a debt ceiling deal.
0: Okay, so so what do you think happens if Congress doesn't raise the debt ceiling? And let's put a timetable on it. When do you think it all comes to a head? So I I think we're looking probably in a window between
1: early June and mid-July. So the recent tax receipts um, with April 18th this year being tax day, they've been below expectations. They've been down from last year. So that should put the target into early June. Um, We're still waiting for Treasury to make an announcement updating its, its estimate. Of when that date is if treasury can manage payments until june 15th that's a date when corporate tax payments quarterly corporate tax payments are due and that could that that cash flow could buy the government a few more weeks to manage its cash flows um so it's that that's the window um investors clients need to remember revenues only fund 75 percent of total federal spending. So the government ultimately needs more authority to borrow more money. Um, If Congress fails to act, uh, Treasury, the Fed, they're gonna try and prioritize payment to bondholders. So the government does not technically default. Um, There's a lot of questions about how that would work. It's never been tested, Um, but uh, it it has been discussed behind, behind the scenes in the past. Uh, there's a Fed transcript from 2013 when they did some planning uh, for, for uh, a debt ceiling um, standoff back then. Um, and they acknowledge that there are a lot of questions about how other payments are, are managed. Um, officials are going to want to prioritize Social Security and government payroll checks. I mean, one can only imagine what's going to happen if an American soldier is not paid on time
0: or mm-hmm. if
1: a Social Security check is delayed. Um, But, you know, after that, delays in payments to government contractors and vendors, those are certainly possible. Even if if you're able to stay on time with uh, benefit payments and payroll payments, um, then you have to pay your contractors and your vendors. And if their payments are delayed, those firms in turn, they might have to delay or miss payments to their creditors, employees or vendors. So you can you can start to see the the economic impact of all of this. Um, in the financial markets, um, I'm expecting volatility as uh, fixed income investors. They already have been seeking um, shorter term treasuries and avoiding longer term debt. This can ripple through the money markets. It can ripple through the repo markets. This is, this is what the Fed is gaming behind the scenes uh, and planning for. Um, it says it has the tools to address market disruptions, but again, never been Never been tested, so this is a real world. This could be a real world test. But again, you know what? What I've been writing in notes and talking to uh, to clients about. I think kind of similar to 2011, the last time we got really, yeah. really close. You're going to see a risk-off trade where equities sell off, and there. Um, and then, you know, if, if we get you know a couple of weeks into this,
0: um, you can start to see some economic consequences. Yep, yeah, like 2011. Um, you know, Brian, before we wrap up, uh, one last question, banking regulators, I guess we're gonna, we're expecting to see a couple of reports over the next few days about bank failures. Um, what do you know about those? So
1: on Friday, the, the regulators are going to release reports on the failures of Silicon Valley and Signature Bank New York. Um, the, the, the reports are going to discuss management failures, supervisory mistakes, regulatory issues. Um, I think a lot. what a lot of us are going to look for uh, in the reports are clues about possible regulatory changes that the, the regulators may make, especially for banks above $100 billion in assets. Um, and these could include stress testing, living wills. Uh, accounting rules for health and maturity securities, um, revised capital rules, liquidity rules. yeah, um, uh, you know, we, we may not get the actual proposals. I'm a, I'm expecting we won't get the actual proposals, but I think we're gonna get a we could get a pretty good roadmap on mm-hmm. Friday. And then on Monday, the FDIC will issue a separate report to Congress um, on deposit insurance. And that um that report is going to include policy options, um on 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 how to handle, possibly expand deposit insurance. Um, that that report's probably going to reignite the debate um, that was starting to percolate on Capitol Hill a couple of weeks ago about deposit insurance. But I'm not expecting Congress is going to act on the issue at least not right now. Um, okay, if the situation in the banking industry changes, um and deteriorates, then maybe some minds are going to change. But for now, I think passing a deposit insurance bill is probably a, a
0: low probability. Well, our CEO Ron Kraszewski weighed into that debate earlier today, suggesting that maybe all all business deposits be insured uh, as a way to level the playing field uh, between small and large banks and make sure that people are choosing their bank, um, you know, on a metric other than size and, and some sort of implicit guarantee that their deposits are safe.
1: Yeah, one thing I'll say about financial services regulation, f- excuse me. Financial You're not going service- to disagree with Ron, are you? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, My ears perked uh, up there. No, no, no. Um, no, this is just an observation on the politics mm-hmm. of it, um, and, and the process, which will bore people to tears. Um, but financial services legislation usually takes a long time yeah. to, for Congress to get through. Dodd-Frank was the exception because it was done right after a a crisis and maybe a a crisis that has yet to expand, develop, maybe that will lead to um, a different dynamic uh, uh, that that could usher in uh, a, a quickly passed deposit insurance bill. But typically, banking bills, financial services legislation can take years to get that passed through Congress. Um, a lot of educating of lawmakers has to go on, um, building coalitions. And right now, I'm not sure that the banking industry itself is of one mind on this. I think there are split views, um, and that's a tough that's a tough ask for banks that um, that want expanded deposit insurance um, if their fellow banks are not singing from the same page. Um, just, just a, a political observation doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's just yeah. an observation that historically these things are tough to do.
0: Well, we're in season two of the podcast now, so maybe I could put that on the calendar, looking ahead towards maybe season seven or eight, maybe nine, and we could see if that's if anything's changed.
1: You know, God willing, that we have uh, our contracts have been extended that long.
0: Yeah, I mean, our contracts would be. Maybe the Jets will have a Super Bowl before that. I mean, one could hope. <laughs> it, it's 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 only April, so we could still hope. Um all right. Well, Brian, I think we're out of time for this episode, but thanks as always. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Neil. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you uh next time for another episode of Potomac Perspective. Take care.